Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Pastor Matthew preached an incredible word on prayer last week, and we're going to dive straight into the conversation on fasting. And we're going to just go straight to the Word of God. We're going to talk about a true story from Esther today. So if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to bring the Word of God with you this year in 2024. Can we do that as a church? Come on, if you don't have it today, that's okay. There's a big old Bible on the screen right behind me. So we're going to be in Esther 4. If you're ready, say ready. Ready. Esther 4, verse 14 through 17 says this. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place. But you and your father's family will be destroyed. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my female servants will also have a fast in the same way. After that, I will go to the king, even if it is against the law. If I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went and did everything Esther had commanded. Maybe this is your very first time hearing the story of Esther, so let me catch you up really quick. In Esther 1, King Xerxes comes and he gets drunk at this party, and he continues to get drunk day after day, so much so that he says, I want my queen Vashti to come in. I want her to dance and deliver things for me in public that she should never do. And Queen Vashti says, I will not do that. So King Xerxes gets really upset at Queen Vashti, and he says, go put out a decree, I'm finding a new queen. And this is where Esther comes into the story. I'm gonna skip through a couple of the details, but Queen Esther comes into the picture, and what we see is this moment on the scene that Queen Esther is a Jew. And then we get to this story where the king is coming in And Mordecai, her father, is saying, every Jew is going to be destroyed, Esther. So the king did not realize that Esther was a Jew. So here comes Mordecai onto the scene, delivering this message to Esther. He's going to kill every Jew in our land. And he knew she was a Jew. So here we see King Xerxes on the scene. We see Mordecai and we see Esther, and we see her response to what Mordecai is about to say. So today I want to talk to you about this idea of a fast fix. And you say fast fix. Fast fix. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we're so grateful for this moment. We're honored that on a cold, bolder morning, we get to come together as the church, as the body of Christ, saying nothing's going to hold us down. We're going to show up. We're going to be expectant of your presence. We're going to expect, Jesus, that you're going to come in and you're going to bring transformation over our lives. In one moment, in the presence of you, Jesus, you can allow our eyes to be fixated on you and you bring clarity to the word of God. You bring truth. You bring deliverance. You bring healing. So we thank you, Jesus. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. 
Well, um, if you know anything about our family, we love a good road trip. Love a good road trip. Every summer, we pack up our six kids. We get all cozy in the van. We get our, you know, they have iPads. We hand them their iPads. We get their headphones because every parent knows that needs to happen. And then we tuck them away and we go about 3,000 miles minimum to the West Coast. So historically, our road trips, um, something happens. Um, something. Um, whether our car gets broken in and all of our camping stuff stolen, whether there's car issues, every road trip, something happens. Just history now. So last year, we're on our family July road trip to the West Coast, and all the kids are snuggled, snuggled in, and I mean, everything's going so smooth. So much so that we're like so confident. We've chosen the campsites in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Um, we're, we're there at a campsite. We had just left. We're driving. We're in the middle of these beautiful sand dunes in the middle of nowhere, just looking out, gazing at the mountains of sand and all the things. We get back in the car, load the kids up, and we have a flat tire in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and in this moment, we're like, praise God, we got the no flat tires because if you know what that means, it gives you 30 good miles on these tires. So we drive to the nearest car dealership and we walk in and we're like, hey, can you, can you fix this tire? And they're like, well, yes, we can fix this tire. But how many of you know when you go into a car dealership, you know, they, they find all the issues that's wrong with your tire and your car and your mechanics and your children at that point, you know, they've lined them up with popcorn and we're, we're doing great, we're thriving. And in this moment, he goes, well, hey, I, I actually can't fix your tire because the tread is so low that if I take the tire, fix the tire, then it's going to destroy the tire, which doesn't make any sense because a year prior, we had already put new tires. So no tires go bad tread in a year, unless you're a manual. So here we are in the car shop. He's like, I can't just fix it. We're like, okay, just replace the tire. You know, don't put the goo on or whatever they do in the tire, just fix the tire. And so he, he goes to fix the tire and he realizes that we had purchased the no flat tire and what that meant because we purchased a no flat tire it meant that he needed to replace all of our tires well ma'am we can't just replace this tire because you chose the no flat tires and all your tires have to be equal or it's actually going to mess up your car so in this moment he gave us an option (laughs) he gave us a decision to say hey like i can get you on the road And I can put this one tire on your vehicle, but it's not going to turn out very well for you. Or I can go ahead and give you a longer solution, put four new tires, write me a check for $850, and you're on your way. And in this moment, we're like, okay, well, we don't want a quick fix. We want a solution that's going to last a long time. Anybody in here like a quick fix? I'm the queen of quick fixes. I like a quick fix. I like to know that if I'm gonna eat a salad today, I can eat a burger the rest of the week. I wanna know that if I go to Starbucks today, it's not gonna hinder my budget. It's just a Starbucks today. We're still on our Dave Ramsey get rich quick. I don't even know. Like, I don't think that's the right thing. I don't think he does get rich. Get rich in when you're 75. Okay. So I want to know that if I can do something quickly, it's going to result in a long-term solution for my life. 
But that's not what's happening here in Esther. What we see is there's this moment that Mordecai, her father-in-law, runs to Esther and he says, Esther, he's about to kill all of the Jews. And what does she do? She pauses and she waits and she says, first, I'm gonna fast. So we're gonna lean in today, not to a quick fix, but a fast fix. Some of us are so dependent that if we do one date night a week, that means our marriage is gonna be restored. Some of us are so determined that if we go to two or three therapy sessions this year, your anxiety and your depression and your loneliness is gonna flee. Some of us are so determined that if we just do the thing right now, the quick fix, that all of our problems are solved. But can I tell you today that we don't need a quick fix. We need a fast fix, that our hearts become so fastened to the heart of Jesus, that we hear the voice of God, that we say, Jesus, when you tell me to pause, I'm gonna pause. When you tell me to move, I'm gonna move. When you tell me to say something, I'm gonna say it. When you tell me there's purpose in the name of Jesus, I'm gonna walk in it. It's not a quick fix. We're gonna go on the journey of a fast fix. So this word fix can be distorted because there's actually two definitions for it. Fix means a solution, but it also means to fasten and connect. So when we talk about a fast fix today, we are talking about a fastening to the heart of God a fastening, a place of connection, a place of movement that says, God, I don't wanna just show up to church one Sunday and believe that in six weeks my life is gonna be covered because I showed up one day. No, we're gonna say, what does it look like to be fastened to the heart of God? What we need is the voice of God in our life to give us direction and clarity. I'm sure Esther and Mordecai would have loved a quick fix. In, in, in the Persian empire, had Esther come into the presence of the king without permission, she would have died immediately. And they knew this. Mordecai knew this when he came to Esther and said, Esther, you have to go see the king. You have to go talk to him. You have to go tell him that you are a Jew and he cannot kill all of these people. These were God's chosen people. Mordecai is here coming, going, God, we have to save this nation. I'm sure they would have loved a quick fix. I'm sure they would have loved for God just to say, go now. But that's not what he told them to do. He told them to wait. Notice that she says, when this is done, she gathered her girls, she gathered her people. She said, I need you to do this with me. We're not gonna do this alone. She gathered her people and she said, we're gonna pray and we're gonna fast for three days, three nights, and then I will respond. And then I will go to the king. Man, some of us, we are on this journey of faith. There are these things that are right 
in front of us. Mordecai was feeling the weight of the decision in this moment, the weight of his people, which in the urgency, he runs to Esther and he says, Esther, you must go right now. I know so many of you in your jobs, in your workplaces, in ministry, in church, with your neighbors, your coworkers, you feel the weight of decisions. And there's a journey of faith as followers of Jesus that we're called to go on. A journey of faith that says, I'm not gonna look on what I just can see, but I'm gonna look ahead to what Jesus has for me and believe in the things that I cannot see. It's a journey of faith, it's a journey of belief. So this wasn't just actually a Persian approach that Esther would say, we're gonna fast. So in this time period, waiting did not just look like for her in the fast, it was also in this time period, she had to wait 12 months before she would go and even present herself to the king. So this whole time she's in the palace, Fasting was not a spiritual discipline that she learned in the Persian empire. It's not something that King Xerxes taught her. It's not something that the cousins and the friends and the other women that were going to present themselves, the practice that they did. No, she grew up in a Jewish home. Do you know what this meant? This meant that she sat at a table with her family as a young girl and she heard the stories of Daniel. She heard the stories of the Old Testament. She had heard that Jesus had parted the Red Sea, that he can do anything. She had heard that he had guided them by a cloud and lit the way with fire. Jesus, Esther had heard the testimonies of who Jesus was. And because of the testimonies of who Jesus was, it gave her faith on her journey. It gave her faith to say, I am going to choose a fast because I know when I'm connected to the heart of my father, nothing gives more direction, nothing gives more clarity, nothing gives more purpose, more identity, more security than being fastened to the heart of Jesus. When we are fastened to the heart of Jesus, we don't need a quick fix. We need a fast fix. So I wanna to talk to your spirit for just a few minutes to tell you what fixes when we fast. What becomes fastened to the heart of the Father when you fast? The first thing that happens is you gain a perspective fix. Anyone need a perspective fix sometimes? Going into 2024, I thought it was gonna look one way and it looked completely different. I needed a perspective fix to say, this life is not about me. This world is not about my agenda, my calendar, my plans. This life is to give wholly to Jesus. I needed a perspective fix. Just the other night, I was putting um, Sila to bed, my sweet girl. And as I was tucking her in, anybody um, else, when you're really tired, you get cranky? I do. <laughs> so she got it from me. So I have a lot of empathy when she gets really cranky. And she's just cranky. She's like overtired. She's going to bed. But she just like, her crankiness comes out in a wail. I'm talking like our zip code 37075 in Hendersonville, Tennessee can hear her wail when she cries at night. And girlfriend is 
big tears and I empathize with her because I'm like, girl, like, just go to sleep. Like, you know, you're going to be okay. Just go to sleep. And in this moment, I'm sitting next to her bed and I'm comforting her and I'm going, Sila, I'm right here. And she's literally screaming with her eyes closed, mom, don't leave me. Like sobbing. And I'm like, Sila, I'm right here. Sila, I'm right here. If you were just to open your eyes, you'll see that I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. And so many times we get so tied up in fear and in captive of fear because we're so focused on the problem and not the solution. Not the solution. If Sila would have just opened her eyes, she would have seen that I was sitting, the thing that she was most afraid of, of me leaving, I was right there. I wasn't going anywhere. And yet she's screaming and going, please don't leave. We get so tied up and caught up in our problems that we miss that he is the solution. And what happens when we begin to fix our eyes, when we begin to fasten our hearts to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords, he shifts it all around. And what, what really we saw as the problem really is the solution. What Sila thought was her problem that I was never gonna leave her, when I was the solution, I was right there with her. And this is exactly what is happening in this story of Esther. There's a problem that King Xerxes is about to kill the Jewish people. And really the solution, Esther comes in and she's like, I know my God is the solution. She had a perspective fix on the Savior. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, keep your eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. When you look to the cross, it shifts every perspective. When you look to heaven, when you sit at funerals and you sit with friends who've just lost loved ones and you look to the heavens in the king of glory and you go, he's alive, it shifts your perspective. When you're in the middle of a city that you feel lonely and you feel isolated, it shifts your perspective when you show up to church and you say, I'm not alone. It shifts your perspective when you get in the word of God and you read the Old Testament and you go, dang, I don't have it that bad. <laughs> Man, the war we're raging, waging is no war like the Old Testament was waging. It begins to shift our perspective. But when we have our eyes so fixated on the problems, we can't even begin to see that. This is what a fast is. In the Jewish culture, what they would do is they would, the Jewish culture would remove food from their diet. Now I recognize that many of us will go on this fast together and we will choose to remove something different. We'll remove social media or television or coffee or coffee's food, but you'll remove something from your diet, maybe outside of food. And that's actually a biblical principle called abstaining. And that's good, and we should all go on that journey of abstaining. But the Jewish culture, when a fast was laid out, it was, an, it was abstaining and removal of food because what this did was it allowed them to empathize 
with those around them that didn't have much. So in Isaiah 58, it lays out, I encourage you to read it through this fast. It lays out what a fast is. And these Pharisees come and they say, well, Jesus, we did all these things for you. We, 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 we wore sackcloth. We didn't eat. We came to the temple and Jesus is like, I don't approve that fast. He says, I want you to come and I want you to have your eyes so fastened to my heart that when your eyes are so fastened to my heart, you recognize that this fast really isn't about you. When your eyes and your heart are fastened to Jesus, this is what he does. He shifts your perspective so much that you realize that now it's a mission fix. You realize that the empathy that you have because you're hungry, you're hurting, you're in pain, you're connected to the heart of the Father, and he goes, hey, there's others out there that feel this way. There's the poor, there's the widow, there's the homeless, and what we realize is that it becomes a horizontal mission. That as we're connected and we're fastened our hearts to the Father, he goes, hey, I want you to go out and serve others. And this is what the Jewish culture, this is how they, they fasted. So they would fast without food, they would fast for others, and they would fast for the pursuit and the passion of the presence of Jesus. I love in the New Testament when Jesus talks about fasting, the Pharisees come to the disciples and they're like, why are you not fasting? And Jesus is like, Hey, because I'm right here. And he says, but when I leave, then they'll fast. Because a fast is fastening our hearts to God, which is a chastening after the presence of our Father. The presence of our Father. So a fast fix gives us a perspective fix. And when your perspective fix your mission is fixed. Your mission is fixed. He also gives us a priority fix. When we decide to fasten our hearts to God, it shifts what's most important. It begins to shift our priorities. Esther comes and she says, before I do anything else, I gotta get in the presence of my Father. Before I touch anything, before I go talk to a king, before I make any moves, whether he, he could have told her not to go, before I do anything, I need to hear from the Lord. I need to hear from Jesus. It's really, honestly, a humbling thing to fast. Um, like Parker was saying, it's actually very biblical to do a corporate fast, but it's very humbling because as you remove food from your diet, you remove things from your diet, your life, you, you can have a tendency of feeling weak. You can have a tendency to feeling foggy. There's a lot of things that can happen in a fast that just humbles us. Jesus speaks to this when, he, when there's two Pharisees. They come to the church temple back then. They come and they show up to the church and there's, there's this one man, he shows up and he's like, look at me! publicly worshiping. I'm fasting. I'm doing the thing. Give me all the honor. Give me all the praise. And Jesus is like, that's not the fast I've called you to. This other man comes in and he's hidden and he's, he's on the side of the road. He's beating his chest and he's crying and he's humbled. He's in sackcloth and he's going, Jesus, I just need you. 
Jesus, I'm desperate to be fastened to your heart. And Jesus says, he will receive the kingdom of God. He will receive full righteousness clothed in my honor and dignity because this is what a fast does. It takes us to our knees and it helps us realize if our priority is Jesus, if our eyes are fastened and fixed on Jesus, in the middle of this fast, when our priorities are shifted and everything is removed, Jesus is gonna give direction. So things in your life, the things that you've been wrestling with, the job promotion, the lack of relationship in your life, the loneliness and isolation, I see it over and over on Facebook Boulder Collective Group. Isolated, lonely, leaving Boulder. How do people find friends? Jesus. Jesus is the only thing that will give us a connection to the heart of the Father. It'll be the only thing that connects us to each other to say there's purpose here. There's a plan here. When we look to the word of God, we see that in Isaiah 58, like I just talked about, the kind of fasting that he desires. She isn't, Esther isn't fasting for her own benefit. She isn't coming to God and saying, God, I need, I want. She's coming for an entire Jewish nation. She's coming to God because when she's fixed on him, her focus and her priority is no longer self. And hear me that it is okay that you go into this fast and you name some things specific that you're believing that you want God to do for you. But if you understand and you know the heart of the Father, you will know that his priority is others. So as we go out, as we fast, as we pray, as we believe, ask God, God, I need a priority fix. I don't wanna just pray for what I need. I don't wanna just fast and believe and, and pray for what I want. I wanna know your heart. And that's what a fast fix does because it fastens, it connects, it links up with Jesus's heart so much that you can't help just pour out to others. It's not just a fast fix, it's also a pace fix. This is my, this is my favorite. It changes the pace of our lives. So none of you knew me then, but pre-married Jess, um, I was fast. <laughs> like not, um, not running. <laughs> Every speed of my life was fast. Um, my calendar was full. I talked fast. I moved quickly. And my pace was just a faster pace. And um, then I got married and we went on our first road trip. Like I said, we like road trips. And growing up, when we would go on a road trip, vacation started when you got in the car. My dad got 10 days off a year. So when he've had vacation, when you get in the car, that's when vacation starts. So what that meant is he would get in the car as fast as he possibly could. So we were out the door, sun was up, we're gone. So we get married and, I, you know, I'm waking up at 4 a.m. It's our first road trip together. I'm packing the bags, packing the dog, the dog food, and Parker's still in bed. 
His vacation mode was different than my vacation mode. His pace is so different than my pace. And now, 14, 13 years in, this past road trip, we left at 6 p.m. And praise God, I was not anxious. I had released that. But what happens so often is we get in our routines and our schedules and our rhythms. You wake up, you go on a run, you eat your breakfast, you make your coffee, you sit down and look at your meetings for the day, you sit down, maybe you journal, maybe you read your Bible, maybe you work out and you routine, 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 routine. I love a good routine. I love a good routine, but sometimes our pace of life needs to be shifted. The pace of life needs to be paused to usher in the fastening and the presence of God to say, I want your pace. I don't want to just go through the motions today. I don't want to just go through the motions in 2024 of what I think I need to accomplish. I don't want to just go through the motions with my kids of how I think they need to be raised up and trained. I need a pace fix to start off my year. And that's exactly what a fast does. It fixes our pace. It slows us down. Because instead of maybe making a big breakfast, you're having to be intent, you're having to grocery shop different. You're doing things different at night because you're not going to bed watching a TV show. You're waking up earlier because God's called you to wake up earlier to be in the Word of God. It shifts your pace, it changes your rhythm. Esther. In Esther, we see a pace fix. In Esther 6, this is what it says. That night, sleep escaped the king. Have you ever had sleep escape you? That'll change your pace. (laughs) That'll have a baby. That'll change your pace. Move a little slower. (laughs) Says that night, that night, sleep escaped the king. So he ordered the book recording daily events to be brought and read to the king. So King Xerxes wakes up in the middle of the night. Esther had fasted. She's in the middle of her fast. King Xerxes wakes up in the middle of the night, opens the history books of the king, and in this moment realizes we have a new character coming on the screen, you, uh, on, this, on the scene. Ready? His name's Haman. This man, Haman, is out to kill Mordecai. He's out to destroy Mordecai. He's out to say, this man no longer needs to be in our nation. Haman is this angry man that wants to kill Mordecai. So what happens is this is why the Jewish people are about to be destroyed because Haman knew that Mordecai was a Jew. And Haman knew if he went to the king and said, hey, there's this Jew that needs to be killed, then the king would put an order in to destroy all the Jews. Say tracking if you're tracking. It's okay if you're not, go read Esther all week, okay? So what happens in this moment? Just, 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 just lean in for a minute. In this moment, Haman is trying to kill all the Jews, Mordecai. And here we see King Xerxes, he wakes up in the middle of the night. He opens his history book. He has a pace change. God changes his pace in this moment. He says, I'm going to wake you up. You're not sleeping tonight. You need to see something. He opens the history book, and in the middle of the history book, he sees where Mordecai had saved his life. There was two guards earlier in Esther 2 that were trying to kill King Xerxes. Mordecai reported that to the king. King Xerxes is like, Haman, 
come in here. Haman, the man who wants to kill Mordecai, who hates him. Haman, get in here. What would you do for a man who tries to save the king's life? And in this moment, Haman thinks that he's talking about him because he's so prideful, he's so selfish. And he goes, well, man, if someone's trying to save your life, man, crown him with honor. <laughs> crown him with honor. Put your robe on him. Let him sit in the king palace. Put him at the best place at the table. Give him all the honor. And the king goes, okay, Haman, go get Mordecai. That's my guy. Crown him, bless him, give him honor. You guys, we can't shoot from the hip and make this stuff up. That's what happens when we fast. That's what happens when we fasten our hearts to the King of Kings. Our solutions, our problems, we bring them to him. He couldn't have woken up King Xerxes in the middle of the night. He couldn't have written that in the story books, but Jesus knew. And when we fasten our hearts to the Father, he changes our pace. Not just our pace, he changes the pace. And he begins to change and fix and align. And some of us today just need a fast fix. You don't need a quick fix anymore. You don't need a quick fix that just says, what's going to help me temporarily this year? What's going to help me in this moment survive? One more energy drink, more caffeine, more social media, more goals, more plans, more ambitions. No, we need to be fastened to the heart of the Father. I talk about my kids a lot because I love them a lot. They're a really big part of my world. And Zion, my baby, that's almost five. <laughs> um, it's one of my greatest joys to teach my kids how to walk. It's the funnest thing. You know, they're just, they don't know what to do with their hands. Their head is heavier than their body. They're kind of flailing and falling and, and holding and just trying to like find their ground. And my favorite thing is, especially with Zion, is he has four older siblings that can like, we're cheering him on. You got this, buddy. Like literally running to his rescue to pick him up. And I have this image, this one night, got a video of it of Zion. Zion's walking and he keeps falling. I'm talking like every like one step he's falling. And Corey, if you guys know Corey, you love Corey. He has the, just the biggest heart for people and he just quickly runs over and he picks him up. And I think some people in the room today have fallen a lot, have fallen a lot. Jess, I've tried the fast. I've tried prayer. I've tried to show up to church. I've tried devotionals. I've tried reading the word and it's just, I just keep falling. Going into 2024, why do I even need to set goals to be in the Word or to be into church? I just keep falling. Just can't get it right. And you're so discouraged because you keep falling. This is what happens in a corporate fast. This is what happens in community. 
when one falls, we're running and we're going, get up, get up. I'm cheering you on. Heaven's calling your name. There's purpose for your story. Keep getting up. Keep trying again. Don't give up on Jesus. He's not quitting on you. Don't give up on Jesus. There's purpose for your pain. Your solution is in the problem. Keep getting up because the problem of him keeping falling was actually the solution. He had to keep falling to actually learn how to walk. Your fall is your solution. Every time you trip and you stumble and you get back up again, you're getting stronger. You're building endurance for the journey. Heaven is calling for your name. Heaven's cheering you on, saying, you got it, just keep doing it again. I don't look at Zion and say, just stop. Just give up. You're never going to learn how to walk. Just, just throw in the towel. You're right. It's too hard. No, we're all surrounding him, and we're lifting his arms, and we're helping him walk. And that's exactly what a fast does. When we come together corporately to pray and fast, we're linking arms. We're becoming the army of God. Because corporately, when we're fastened to the heart of, the God, heart of God, we're unstoppable. We're an unstoppable force to the kingdom of heaven. And can I just speak to your discouraged heart and say, don't give up. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.